Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and today we're talking about boosters. Our special guest is Dr. Lori Rubin. He is the Director of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Cohen Children's Medical Center. And Dr. Rubin, you just got your booster shot. Tell me about that and why you decided to do it. I did. Uh, I had gotten my uh, first two doses back in December and January, so I was over six months since my uh, since this, over six months since the second dose, and uh, I decided to get the booster once it became available. It was recently um, uh, approved by the FDA and recommended by the CDC uh, for certain groups, uh, including healthcare workers um, and people over 65, among others. And I fit into the, both of those categories. Uh, so both for uh, myself personally to try not to get symptomatic COVID infection or even asymptomatic COVID infection that I could then spread to others, others in my sort of personal life or others in my professional life at the hospital. Tell me who else is eligible to get this booster shot. Yeah, so the uh, booster shot refers to people who've gotten, um, first of all, it's only for the Pfizer mRNA vaccine at the moment. Um, not the Moderna or Johnson & Johnson Janssen vaccines. And for that uh, Pfizer vaccine, um, the FDA gave its um, evaluation and uh, you know, approved it for emergency use authorization. And then the CDC weighed in of how it should be used. So it's recommended for a person 65 and older, and it's recommended for persons that are 50 to 64 who have a high-risk condition. Um, the high-risk condition means that they are at risk to get more severe COVID should they get infected. That includes things like heart disease and lung disease and diabetes and obesity uh, and so forth. Um, and then, so those are the two categories where you should get it. And then the other categories where you may get it, again, those are persons that are 18, um, 18 to 49 years of age, um, with a high risk condition, as well as people that are uh, don't have a high risk condition, um, but ha- have maybe increased occupational exposure, so they work in a hospital or other frontline type of uh, type of employees. The other group that I, I neglected to mention in the beginning that should get it is persons that are in, uh, reside in a long term care facility. So there is the groups that should get it, and there's the groups that can get it. Um, and the data uh, for the ones that should get it is much stronger um, in terms of uh, um, importance than the others that should get it. And importantly, this third dose should be given at least six months um, after the completion of the second dose. So, Dr. Rubin, why, why six months? Why six months to get that third shot after, you know, your second shot? What, what's the science behind that? Yeah, so the CDC has done a number of studies with collaborators looking, and so you can look at start the time zero when you get your second dose of vaccine and then start the clock there and look at the effectiveness of the vaccine, looking at from starting from that time. And the effectiveness starts to fall off around six months. Some studies a little five months, it's a little more at seven months, but uh, six months is about uh, when that seems to fall off. Um, in Israel, the vaccination program was exclusively with the Pfizer vaccine and got off a little bit uh, to earlier start than the United States. So they saw this fall off quicker, and they've been very aggressive at giving a third dose of vaccine there. But the answer is, in terms of that, is six months is a, um, 
pretty much a time. So it's not like you're, you're great at five months and at six months you fall off a cliff and have no protection. It's kind of a gradual thing, but the, the fall off seems to be, become significant and at six months. And um, it's been a little bit difficult to tease out uh, the effect of just time six months after the vaccine versus the emergence of the uh, Delta um, because things happen more or less at the same time. So a lot of people were six months out from their vac- from their dose of vaccine as the Delta hit. And then we had the increased rates of infection and the increased rates of hospitalization, at least in certain groups, such as the elderly. Um, so that's a little hard to tease out, but the available data suggests that yes, we are um, losing some effectiveness after about six months. Yeah, and while we're talking about third dose, there seems to be a little bit of confusion between the difference between a third dose and a booster. What What is the difference? Is there a difference? Um, yes, there is a difference. So um, we've learned that immunocompromised patients, uh, now that's somewhat different than people with high-risk conditions, because immunocompromised means you're on chemotherapy or you've had a transplant or you're on biologic medications, let's say, to treat inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease or rheumatological disease such as rheumatoid arthritis. And these medications you're on um, decrease your ability to respond to the vaccine. So in this case, um, it's now it's recommended to give a third dose of vaccine. And that third dose can be given uh, up, uh, starting 28 days after the second dose. In that situation, um, it's not considered a booster um, it's considered part of the primary series, meaning individuals haven't responded in the first place and three doses will give, put them in better shape to be protected than receiving two doses. And in my situation, I likely responded very, very well to the two doses of vaccine, but over time that protection has decreased somewhat and that's the reason for the booster dose. So it's a question of primarily getting uh, protected versus getting a booster to uh, improve the protection that's already previously occurred. Yeah, and why does why does the protection uh, wane for certain people? Yes, um, it's kind of a natural thing. So then, when you get an infection or you get a vaccine, um, the vaccine sort of mimics the infection. So the immune system kind of revs up, and your body makes lots of antibody and cellular immunity. Um, but that revving up decreases over time because your body doesn't want to be committed to just one pathogen because there's other pathogens out there that it's got to sort of keep an eye on and, and uh, have immunity as well. So the number of cells that are producing antibody goes down and those levels can go down. Um, for some infections, um, even though those antibodies go down, you're still going to be protected. Um, that's the case, for example, for most people that have had measles vaccine or have had actual measles, you tend to get lifelong protection. But for other um, infections, um, you need periodic boosters. So the influenza, the flu is an example of that. Um, so it's kind of a, a pretty common thing for that to go down. In the, in the context of COVID-19 that we're discussing today, there's an extra um, factor, and that is the variant viruses. So um, most uh, uh, people have heard of the Delta variant, that's a uh, basically 100% of COVID infections in the United States at the present time are due to the Delta variant. And that Delta variant is different than the original 
strains that were circulating and the strains that we were frankly vaccinated for that the vaccines are designed to, to um, prevent. Um, and the vaccines don't work completely perfectly against the Delta. So you need a higher amount of antibody in your blood from vaccine to protect against the Delta than you do against the original strains. So if we hadn't had changes of the virus and emergence of variants like Delta, maybe we uh, would not need a, a booster dose at this time. So it's really a combination of some level of uh, waning immunity, the immunity that you got from vaccine going down, as well as the emergence of the variants. Yeah. And I guess that's why it's so important for people to be vaccinated, because the more people that are vaccinated, the more likely we will be able to put an end to this disease and, and people who don't get vaccinated. And it gives the, the disease chances to mutate and spread and, and to continue. Yes, that's an important point that um, where do the variants come from? They come from people that have the infection and that the virus is um, replicating in, in them. And um, every time it replicates, there's a chance to spin off a little bit different virus. And if that little bit different virus has some survival advantages because of the change in it, then that can uh, eventually lead to a variant. Yeah. So if we, if we, don't, if we give the, the virus no place to flourish, we will get fewer or no more variants. Lowering COVID cases across the country led Dr. Anthony Fauci this week to say we may be turning a corner in this fight. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I, my optimistic part of me wants to agree, and I think that's generally true, uh, particularly as the overall vaccination rate goes up in the community. So although we're talking about a booster dose today, the most important thing um, is for people who are not vaccinated to get vaccinated. So that's the remaining 12 to 12 to 15 year olds that haven't got vaccinated, as well as the 16 and up who haven't gotten vaccinated. That's really the most important. The from a public health point of view, the um, the booster dose is, is almost icing on the cake. Important icing, but but icing, and it's really that primary. Uh, and the other caveat, of course, is are we going to get additional uh, variants that um, evade the protection of the vaccine to some extent? Um, which could form the basis for, you know, more severe outbreaks. Yeah, we interviewed a, another doctor a while ago, and, and when we talked about, he had one, one line that was, if you're eligible for the vaccine, get it. If somebody offers you the vaccine, get it. So for the people who are eligible, it makes sense to get that now to get that booster or the third shot. Yes, I think so. I mean, there's important caveats. So in about two weeks, there'll be an FDA um, advisory committee meeting looking at booster doses for the Moderna vaccine and for the uh, Janssen, uh, the Janssen, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So when we talk about boosters today, the only booster available is if you've had the Pfizer first two doses, now you're getting a Pfizer booster. Um, so the information on those, on boosters for the other vaccines will be coming out as well as so-called mix and match studies. That means I got my first dose of Johnson & Johnson, and now uh, what do, do I get another dose of Johnson & Johnson, or can I get a dose of Pfizer um, or Moderna vaccine, um, and vice versa. So those uh, information will be coming out as well. Um, that, those are studies not done by the pharmaceutical companies, but by the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, and that may give some helpful information. So although... Um, Yes, the Pfizer vaccinated people are eligible for a booster today and can go out and get it um, if you fall into these groups. 
Um, unfortunately, the, the information is lagging a little bit if you got the Moderna or Johnson & Johnson vaccine as your initial vaccination. The FDA's Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee is scheduled to meet October 14th and 15th to consider requests from Moderna and Johnson & Johnson to add booster doses for their COVID-19 vaccines. Yesterday, J&J applied for emergency use authorization. What impact will that have? I I think that's very important. In the case of Johnson & Johnson, it's actually the second shot because the original vaccine was marketed as a a single dose. So they have their data. Uh, When they did their original study, they gave a bunch of people one dose and they gave a bunch of people two doses and they followed them out. And um, so they're, and they of course applied and got approved to give the one dose, but that one dose vaccine worked well. It was a little bit less effective than the mRNA vaccines. That is the Pfizer, uh, excuse me. Yeah. The Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, but, but it worked well. So we've got information on both of those, uh, the one dose and two dose regimen. But in addition, uh, there's been, uh, uh, people who participated in the original study got one dose, and now they got a booster dose six months later. It's um, um, some of those data are, which are uh, being shared with the FDA to apply for that emergency use authorization to give a booster dose for, for that one as well. At the moment, it's only for the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. The, um, the booster dose is the same as the first two doses. Um, the uh, For the Moderna vaccine, it may be that the booster dose will be a lower dose, uh, half the dose of that. That's the way they did, they did the uh, booster study. Uh, but again, we'll see that data in a couple of weeks. What about the J&J booster? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they gave the same dose because I know for the sort of two-dose group uh, in the original study, um, that was the same. And I'm imagining that the uh, booster dose will, will be the same. And I might mention that the dose uh, for the 12 and older is, um, is the same, but the studies of the 5 to 11 age group that will be reviewed, that dose was one-third um, the dose of the Pfizer vaccine. So it's a smaller dose for the younger age group. What do we know about the vaccines currently being studied for children 5 to 11, and is there a timeline? Um, they, the company has just come out, come out with data that uh, says that the vaccine seemed to be safe and effective. Um, the immunogenicity, the an- neutralizing antibody titers are as good in that group with the vaccine dose given as in, um, in a person, say, 16 to 24 years of age. Um, so the prediction is that it will be uh, quite effective. What about the third dose or a booster dose? Has there been any negative side effects to that? Yeah, that that's, um, was one of the concerns raised by the CDC committee, uh, the ACIP, which is the CDC advisory committee, when it's discussed. They said, you know, not enough um, uh, young males um, have gotten a third dose in those studies run by the manufacturer to know if the, what the rate is, if at all, of the third dose uh, causing myocarditis is. Um, now, it turns out that from CDC data, uh, um, they have data that uh, now up to 2 million people have gotten a third dose, some before they were even officially eligible. They managed to get a third dose. Um, and there's been no signal of increased myocarditis. Um, you know, if the second dose causes more than the first, you might say, well, gee, the third might cause more than the second. And so far, that has not uh, been the case. So over, I can say overall, the adverse effects from the second dose um, 
the sore arms and the fever and muscle aches is pretty much the same as a second dose uh, in terms of the frequency of those occurring. So, Dr. Dr. Rubin, we always like to uh, to end on a positive note here on Twenty Minute Health Talk. So, I just want to ask you, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? Yeah, I think honestly, the penetrance of the vaccination, as you uh, know, that in the United States, compared to some other countries, um, it's been somewhat of a political, unfortunately, issue about getting uh, vaccinated and so forth. But the fact that we're um, getting very close to a uh, high enough number that will just protect us from getting widespread infection in the community uh, is, is very encouraging. So, of course, um, we're seeing, you know, parts of New York open up the theater district and restaurants and so forth. And I think everyone wants to get to a more normal, uh, a no more normal situation. And I think we're um, heading in that direction, I'm happy to say. Uh, I mean, a lot of people predict that um, this SARS-CoV-2 virus, this virus that causes um, COVID-19, will become kind of a seasonal virus, kind of like influenza, and probably won't be eradicated for at least several years, but may be very controllable to the point where it's more uh, of a nuisance disease in a small proportion of the population, rather than having a sort of a devastating uh, impact on on us overall, our hospital systems and our ability to, you know, function openly in, a, in our communities. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, met, you mentioned the flu shot um, last year. The the flu was pretty much non-existent because everybody was social distancing and masking and everything else. Important for everybody to go out and get the influenza shots uh, vaccine this year. Yes, I believe it is. Um, you know, it's difficult to predict the future with anything, but including influenza. But uh, I think a lot of people think since we didn't have influenza last year and we're more open this year, right? People are not staying at home as much. Um, we're out and about. And we know that the other respiratory viruses that are, are not, uh, won't roll off the tongue of most of your um, viewers, but for example, like RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, is an annual winter virus that causes large numbers of young infants to be hospitalized. Um, and it's typically in December, January, February. We saw no cases of that in you know, December, January, February. It was just amazing. Um, then we come into April and uh, April and May, and we're seeing a lot of hospitalized children, and that's continued each month right through the present time. Now that we're in October, so we have a lot of these uh, that and several other respiratory viruses um, causing a lot of disease. So it seems very likely that influenza will rear rear its ugly head, and uh, it makes complete sense to get uh, vaccinated with flu, and you can get your COVID booster in one arm and your flu vaccine in the other arm at the same time. Um, so there's no sort of prohibition or timing difference of when you can get the vaccine. That's great to know. Well, Dr. Rubin, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you for tuning in, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.